Well, this week, the last few weeks, we have been looking at this series called The Oldest Trick in the Book. And if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, it'll be a little bit before we get there, so you can, you know, stick a bookmark in there, stick your finger there. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute, Matthew chapter 4. But as I was doing some research this week, and I was able to, to track down and locate the oldest trick in the book, literally, all right? So I want you to check out this video. Hmm. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Did you know there is an oldest trick in the book? What? Trick number one. Look, it's over there. Ha-ha! Made us thou look. So endeth the trick. Hey. Yes. Geico. 15 minutes could save you. Well, you know. There you have it. The oldest trick in the book. We have found it. Look over there. No, the oldest trick in the book. We're talking about the oldest trick in, in this book from the beginning of time. And we're looking at the tricks that the devil plays on us. And he's been doing the same old tricks since the very beginning. And in John chapter 10, we've looked at this uh, over and over again, but we see the threefold mission statement of the devil. The, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he's out for. That's what he wants to do. And he's going to pull every trick in the bag that he has so he can do those three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. But more importantly in that verse in John 10.10, we also have Jesus' one-fold mission statement. It says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is in the business of giving life. So while Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy, he's out to steal identities. He's out to, do, uh, to kill you by using sin, right? But Jesus has come to give life and give life abundantly. He's, out, he's in the business of restoring identities. Jesus is in the business of, of laying down his life so that way he can take our killing the, the, what the devil wants to do to us, and he defeats sin so that we can have life. So everything Jesus does is to give life. And the great news is, again, Jesus wins every single time. He is not stronger than the devil. The devil has no power over Satan, or the devil has no power over Jesus. So if we're on Jesus' side, we can't lose. We are going to win because we are on Jesus' team. So again, Satan's coming after us, but he's using the same old tricks, and we serve Jesus, who is always greater. And so today, I want to look at that third thing that the devil does, and that is destroy. Destroy. Now, you think, you think killing us is enough, right? You think he'd just stop it, like, that's pretty, pretty final, you know, killing. But no, he's not just wants to do that, but he wants to destroy your soul. He not only kills your body, but he wants to destroy your soul. And I think so many times we can be focused on just the day-to-day -day life, you know, what happens next, getting our to-do list done, and, you know, making sure the kids need to go, where, get where they need to go, that we can forget that there's an eternity that awaits us after this life. Right? There's an eternity. We're talking forever awaits us after this life, and there's really, there's only two options. There's heaven or there's hell. Those are the only options that we have. The Bible shows us it's heaven or hell. You know, it, it's not like you just cease to exist, when you die. Uh, you don't get to be reincarnated into some other animal or some other body when you die. Uh, you don't go to, you know, just some sort of like holding cell when you die and we'll see what happens. The options are heaven or hell and it all depends on how we live this life and the choices that we make this life. We don't get to get to eternity and decide, eh, I don't like that one. Let me switch my mind. 
right? We've got 72 years or so, whatever the average is now these days, uh, in these bodies, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but to make the correct choice, and the only way to heaven is through Jesus. Again, in that John chapter 10 passage, he says, I am the door, I am the gate, I am the only way. And that's the only way to heaven. It's not through living a good life, it's not through attending church, but it's through Jesus. It's having a personal relationship with him. That's how we choose to spend our eternity. So when you stop to think about it, when you stop to think about eternity, I mean, just the finality of it all, uh, eternity, that's, that's forever. That's forever. Just let that set in for a minute. Uh, you know, that's one of those things like we can't comprehend. Our mind can't wrap around that idea of eternity. And uh, I shared this with the adult Bible study on Wednesday night, but as we're driving to church on Wednesday, uh, we've got our seven-year-old in the back, and he just starts, like, asking all these questions. Sometimes, if you've ever had kids, they ask a lot of questions. That's a good thing, right? And uh, so we started asking questions. He's like, hey, Dad, what's that place that, like, bad guys go to when they die? Like, can you, can you tell me what that place is? I was like, yeah, that's, that's hell. He's like, well, why is it so bad? Like, why would, why would I want to go there? Why wouldn't I want to go there? He's like, well, you know, it's, God's presence isn't there. Yeah, and, and I'm trying to explain this concept to him. Uh, you know, we still live with God's presence around us, but God's presence isn't there, and that's a, that's a scary thing. Well, what's it look like? Uh, it's dark. You know, you can't really see anything. I think that's kind of how the Bible describes it. It's dark. And, uh, well, why is it so bad, though? Like, it's just a dark place. You hang out. Like, well, not, not quite. Like, there's, there's, there's pain and there's torture, you know, what's torture? Uh, I guess I haven't explained that to you yet. Uh, you know, you get lots of owies, you know, very bad. Uh, this isn't good. And he's like, I, I don't want to go there. Why would anybody want to go there? I'm like, that's a great question. That's a great question. Nobody wants to go there. We don't want to send it. Even we wouldn't wish that on our worst enemies because hell is a place of, of torment. It's a place of, of darkness. It's not a place that we want to go. It's a place where there's no hope, there's no end, and, and thinking about hell can really put things in perspective very quickly. And, and I don't share that this morning to like scare anybody, all right? But it's just, it's just the reality of what it is. And, and I think sometimes we need to really think about what is this life all about? Because life isn't about living as comfortably as we can. That's not the purpose of life. That's not the goal of life. But, but this life is all setting us up for eternity, and eternity is a lot longer than, than 70 years. So the devil, his end game, his end game is to destroy you by ensuring that you spend eternity in hell with him. Every lie he tells, every identity he steals, is to bring you one step closer to hell. To make you miss out on the greatest gift ever given. Because Jesus gives eternal life in heaven. I mean, that's, that's the gift we want. But his goal is to distract you so that you don't reach out for that gift, so you don't think that it's truly necessary, so that you don't think it's worth it. See, eternal life is a free gift that, we, we give, that Jesus gives us when we choose him and, and say, I want to live for you, right? And that's, that's the good news today, right? Don't live to avoid hell. Live to get to heaven. Man, let's, let's, shoot, let's shoot for a good goal. Let's live to get to heaven. Let's give everything to Jesus, so we can get to heaven because that's where God's presence is going to dwell. It's going to be around us 24-7. I mean, there's going to be streets of gold. We get to worship Jesus constantly. It's going to be perfect. There's going to be no more crying, no more tears. Like, hell is really bad, but at the same time, the exact opposite, heaven, is amazing. And, and, and we want to go there, church. But again, the devil's trying to get us to think short-term so we forget about the long-term. He wants us to live for today and, and not live for tomorrow. He wants you to get to, to, 
make you feel good. He wants to puff you up and live for yourself rather than think about what this life is really about. So what is most important to you today? Where do you want to spend your eternity? Where do you want to spend your eternity? So again, let's, let's look at a few more tricks that the devil's trying to play, that the devil's trying to use to distract. Because again, he wants to keep you up close. He wants to say, hey, look here. Just look here. You know, look at today. Look at tomorrow. Forget about that whole like when you die thing. Forget about that eternity thing. He wants you focused close. So we're going to look at a few of his tricks. Again, they're the same old tricks. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. Last week we looked at how the devil tempted Eve. He tempted humanity. This time he got a little bit too much confidence and he decided he was going to test Jesus himself. He was going to tempt Jesus and I'm thankful he did because remember Jesus always wins. And so we're going to look at Jesus and how he did it, how he overcame Satan so that we can have a good blueprint for how we can overcome Satan in our lives. So in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 it says this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry and much deserving to be hungry after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine not eating for 40 days? Like that's just, that's mind-blowing. I mean, today is what, September 12th? Uh, so imagine you haven't eaten anything since August 3rd. Just think about that. 40 days, you have not eaten uh, anything, and that's where Jesus was. That would be a very weak spot. I mean, we can't imagine 40 days, I mean, 40 hours, I'm tapping out 40 hours. Like, that's, that's difficult, right? And, and so Jesus was, was here. He was in this place. He was hungry. Now, Jesus, just before he started this fast, he had this powerful moment. He was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, uh, you know, surrounded by people. It, it was just a glorious moment. It said the Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove. It said uh, that God, you know, spoke from heaven like the audible voice that this is my son and whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Like it was a powerful moment. And notice the devil didn't come when Jesus was being baptized. He didn't show up when everything was going great. He didn't show up on like day two of the fast while Jesus still had a lot of energy. He decided to show up on day 40. He decided to show up when Jesus was all alone and when he was, was weak. And that's, that's trick number one. The devil attacks when you are weak and alone. The devil attacks when you are weak and alone. See, this was a vulnerable moment for Jesus. There was no person he could go to. He couldn't be like, hey, John the Baptist, We'll call you John, you know? Like, can you help me out here? He, he couldn't go to him. He was all alone in the desert. He, he came to him when he was weak. He came to him when he, when he hadn't had food. And so it's so crucial that we understand this concept that the devil comes when we're weakest. And when we're alone, because that's, that's when he tells you your, the biggest lies. He tries to tell you the biggest lies. That's when he attacks. So we need to be ready when we're at our weakest. He doesn't attack when... You know, you're all around or you're at church and everything's great and we're worshiping Jesus. He, he doesn't like to attack then. He likes to attack, you know, maybe late at night and you had a fight with your spouse that day. Or he likes to attack when, when you're all alone and you just had a bad day at work and, and that's when he sneaks in, right? That's when he comes at you the hardest. So we need to be mentally prepared and thinking about, I need to have my defenses up because I'm vulnerable right now. Satan's going to come and he's going to lie to me. Satan's looking for those opportunities. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he's looking for those weak moments. 
I did some research just on how uh, lions uh, attack. And uh, it's interesting, lions aren't the fastest animal out there. In fact, a lot of their prey is faster than them. So the way they hunt is they, they lie in wait. They, they sit and just wait for that perfect opportunity. It says they, could, they can sit there for hours just waiting for the perfect moment to attack. And they don't go after the leader of the herd. They go after the weakest of the herd. Right? They go after the, the old and frail, or they go after the, the young calves who are just born, and, and they attack the weakest of the herd. In the same way, that's what the devil does to us. He attacks us at our weakest moment. He'll lie in wait and, and pounce on you right when you just don't expect it when you're weak. And so that's what, that's what the devil did to Jesus here. He took him at his weakest moment when he hadn't eaten for 40 days, when he was all alone. And, and here's, how, here's what he did. Verse 3 says, The tempter came to him, talking about Jesus. The tempter came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So the first temptation that the devil gave to Jesus was to make himself some food. You know, make yourself some food to satisfy your hunger. Now that may not sound very sinful, like, okay, yeah, Jesus is God, you know, he can, he can do that. I mean, they provided manna in the desert, you know, he can, he can certainly turn these stones into bread, like, that's not that big of a deal, right? Surface level, it didn't seem very big, but really what the devil was doing was something much, much bigger. It was a bigger request than it seemed, because trick number two is this. The devil, often, or the devil offers short-term gains to distract you from long-term goals. He offers short-term gains to distract you from long-term goals. See, when Jesus came to earth, uh, he was fully God, but yet when he came to earth, he, he kind of put that to the side and he became fully man. And he lived fully man. He didn't rely on the power that he had as God, though he could have, but instead he, he lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he relied on God the Father. He relied on the Holy Spirit because that's what we have to do today too. We don't have the power of God, but we need to rely on God so he can move through us. And so that's the way Jesus uh, lived on this earth. He lived in the power of God, but he didn't use his power as God. He was fully man. And, and so he did that so that he could live just like a man and he could go through this life and live perfectly and die on the cross. Now, if he had picked up the mantle of God again and said, you know what, I'm just going to go easy mode on this. I'm going to go God mode on this. And uh, then, then he would have lost his authority. He would have lost his ability to die on the cross for our sins. So in this simple request, Satan was, was asking him and tempting him, just pick up that, that God power again. You know, just, just, just forget about that whole man and limitation things and, and just feed yourself because... You're hungry, Jesus. I mean, it's been 40 days. 40 days. But, but Jesus remained, no, I'm going to live through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he did. Every miracle he performed, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was through relying on God the Father. And that's something we can still to do, do today, right? The Holy Spirit is still here. We saw him move in this morning. The Holy Spirit's still here. And, and the Bible says Jesus told us we can do even greater things than he did on this earth. So what does Jesus do? How does he respond to this temptation? Verse 4 says this, Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus, just like we saw Eve do the first time last week, he responds to Satan, he overcomes Satan's temptation with the word of God. 
Here he quotes a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and, and he defeats the lies of the devil by combating it with the truth of God's word. And again, that's why it's so important to be in this book. That's why it's so important to read God's word, uh, not just to read it, but to meditate on it, to apply it to our lives, to, to memorize it. So we're in those moments when we have those temptations, we can pull those verses out. And, and again, they're, they're attacks on the devil. It helps us uh, defend against his attacks. So the devil tried to get, to tr- get Jesus to trade his mission for food. Tried to get him to trade his mission for food. And Jesus was like, no, I've seen that already. Right? Remember Esau and Jacob? Something similar happened there. Esau was the firstborn, and uh, Jacob played a little trick on him. Esau was really hungry one day, and Jacob said, well, I've got some food here. I've got some soup here. I'll trade it to you for your birthright. I'll trade it to you for that, that inheritance. And Esau fell for that trap, and he fell into that. But Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to give up my inheritance. I'm not going to give up my rights simply for food. He says, my food comes from the word of God. I don't need just physical food. I need to rely on God's food. So church, refuse to chase short-term success if it distracts you from your long-term goals. Refuse to chase short-term success if it distracts you from your long-term goals. Specifically, long-term goals I'm talking about this morning is the calling and purpose that God has placed on your life. Never let anything interfere with the calling and the purpose that God has placed on your life. If he's given you a mission, if he's given you a calling, chase after that with everything you have. Don't give in to the short-term success. Matthew 16, 26, Jesus says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Right? There's nothing, there's nothing worth it in this life. There is no amount of money or status that you can attain that's worth it to trade your soul for. But the devil is going to trade everything he has so that he can have your soul, so he can destroy your soul. That's what he's out for. He might offer you a way to to make more money at your job and you think this is great, it's even legal, all that stuff, but I know that it doesn't line up with God's word, right? Don't trade that short-term success if it's going to ruin your long-term goal. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust that he uh, will protect you. Stay focused on his will in, his lo- in your life and pursue that with everything you have. Because again, heaven and hell are on the line. Eternity is on the line and we need to keep that focus. We need to keep that eternal perspective. So Jesus, he wins the first round. He brings the word of God in, and, and, uh, but Satan's not done yet. So we go to round two here. Uh, Matthew chapter four, verse five says this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if you are the son of God, He said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So here, he pulls out a couple of tricks. He pulls out two more tricks. Trick number three, the devil attacks our pride. He starts out with Jesus. If you really are the son of God, prove it. If you're really the son of God, prove it. The devil attacks our pride. So he takes Jesus to this tallest building and he tells him, if you're really the son of God, then jump. You know, God's word says if you are in danger, angels are going to come around and you're not even going to be injured. So just prove it. Prove that you're the son of God. I bet you can't do this. Prove it, Jesus. I mean, the devil loves to attack our pride because it's sneaky, right? We're prideful people. We are very prideful people. And uh, when, when our pride gets attacked, we like to get defensive. And rather than using common sense, we immediately have to prove ourselves. I mean, it's, it's such an easy trap to fall into. 
uh, especially for guys. I mean, men, we are prideful people. Like, we, we want to prove ourselves. We want to prove that we're strong enough, that we're good enough, that we're smart enough, that we know enough. And, and this is demonstrated over and over again. But one place that I see it happen every week, and, and I fail the test every time, it's when you're coming home from the grocery store and you got a full trunk full of groceries, right? you got all these bags there. And I don't understand why, but, man, maybe you can relate to this. Uh, but when I open up that trunk and I see those grocery bags, I refuse to take multiple trips, all right? I just, I can't handle it. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I don't have to go back. I'm going to load up my arms with, with grocery sacks, you know, I'm going to put them on the, on the waist, I'm going to belt them in, I'm going to put them around the neck. Uh, and then, you know, once you got all that, then you can go for the 12-pack of pop, you know, you can pick it up when you got the milk in the other one. And, and thank God for the push-button tailgates, because that makes it a lot simpler. You don't have to, like, try to force it down. You just press the button. You know, you get over to the door, that's, that's where the tricky part comes in, you know, because it's like, all right, you know, you get the foot up, and you're trying to, like, open the door, or use the backside to, to get in there. And, but you got to, you know, it's that pride factor in us. It's that, that pride factor. And, and there's so many different ways that that pride comes through, but it's like, you don't think I can do it? Watch me. Watch me. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's pride. We all have it, and the devil loves to exploit it. And he says to Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are, you know, and he says those same things to us. If you're really a man, if, if you're really, if you're a real man, if you're a real woman, if you're really the best, then prove it. Then prove it. If you're really the boss, then show us how much power you got. Do you really have that kind of power? I bet you don't prove it. Right? And he whispered these, these little lies inside of us to, to mess with our pride so we get defensive and do something that we shouldn't do. I mean, you look around today, and, and man, culture is so messed up. We could, we could talk for a long time about how messed up culture is. We all know that. I mean, look in every movie, look in every magazine, listen to any music, and it's this message that, that is trying to redefine what a true man or what a true woman looks like, and, and it's just like, that's not what my Bible tells me. But it, it messes with with who we are, it's constantly telling us, be the best, be the biggest, be the strongest, be the, be the most powerful, be the richest. And when we give in to this lie, we, we compromise ourselves and we end up living in regret. But Jesus taught us, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be greatest, then you need to be the least. He taught us, don't be proud, be humble. He taught us the opposite of everything this world is, is trying to teach us. But he didn't only teach us, but he modeled it himself. And he models it here when the devil pokes at his pride and he says, you know, hey, if you really are the Son of God. We'll see how he responds in just a minute. But trick number four, another thing that he, he sneakily snuck in here was the devil twists the Word of God. The devil twisted the Word of God. That's a sneaky devil. He, he, he threw God's Word back in Jesus' face. Man, you know, that's just wrong. Like, he shouldn't be able to use God's Word, but that what he, that's what he does here. He tried to use God's word to destroy Jesus. And he quotes a verse out of Psalms. He even quoted it right. Like, he didn't even mess it up. He quoted it basically word for word. And uh, he tries to use this verse to get Jesus to sin. But here's the thing. He used it out of context. He twisted it. He twisted it. Because that verse uh, that, that said that angels will come and protect you and, and you won't have, you know, hit your foot on a stone. And, and, uh, but that verse was in response to when you're 
being persecuted, when the enemy is attacking, God will protect you. God will, God will keep you. His angels will surround you. And, and so it was referring to believers during that time. But in this case, he's trying to tell Jesus, you go off and test God, right? So it wasn't the enemy attacking. It was Jesus putting himself in a place and doing something to test God. All right, I'm going to jump off and God, let's see if your word comes true. That wasn't the enemy attacking. That would, that would be Jesus doing something very selfish and doing something very prideful to say, God, if you're real, show it to me. And, and that was skewing God's word. It's skewing God's word. But that's what the devil does. He attacks our foundation. He was trying to attack something foundational, God's word. And he knows that if he attacks the foundation, everything else is going to, everything else is going to fall. So it's kind of like that game Jenga, right? The, the wooden block game where you make a tower out of it. And uh, if you've ever played that, you want to push the blocks out on top because there's not so much pressure on them. You know? But when you start messing with the blocks on the bottom, you start messing with the foundation, that's when things get dangerous. I mean, fun and interesting for that game. But when you start messing with the foundations of our lives, when the devil starts poking at the Word of God, because that, that's a foundation in our lives as Christians, is the Word of God is true. The Word of God is truth. But when he starts skewing it and tries to lie to you and tell you, that word's not truth, you can't trust that, and he starts messing with that foundation block, he knows if he can knock that one out that everything else is going to fall. And again, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. So here's Jesus' response. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, Jesus overcomes uh, the devil's temptation by using Scripture and using the truth to dispel the devil's lies. He again quotes from the book of Deuteronomy and, and he puts things back into context. You know, yes, I believe God can save me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But should I, say, should I make him save me out of my own selfishness and my own pride? Absolutely not. I'm not going to put my God to the test. I'm not going to put my Father to the test. So he, he realigns Scripture. And in his response, he also stays humble. He doesn't give in to the, 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 the pride poke there. If you really are the son of God. Because he didn't need to prove himself to the devil. He didn't need to come here to show off. He came here to live humbly and to be humbled so that, that we could have a chance at life. And that's our savior. That's our savior. He was humble in everything he did. So round two goes to Jesus. But round three is coming. Round three is coming. The devil wasn't done yet. Matthew chapter four, verses eight and nine says this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Takes him to this high point. Looks over and he says, I'll give you all this, all the kingdoms. I mean, it was like a scene right out of the Lion King. You know, he's up there on Pride Rock. Everything the light touches will be your kingdom, Jesus. And so he tells him this, I'll give you everything. And, and the best part, Jesus, you can have all this. Because this is what you want. This is why you came here. So you could save all these people, so you could rule all these people. And in my way, you won't even have to go to the cross. You won't have to die. I'll give everything to you, Jesus. I'll give you everything you want. And he gave Jesus this offer that was just too good to be true. You're not going to have to go through the pain. You're not going to have to go through the humiliation, right? Man, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He even prayed the night uh, before he had to go. And he says, God, if there's any way, can you take this from me? And so devils, devils offer him, hey, I'll give you everything you ever wanted. I'll give you the world. But then comes the fine print. If you will bow down and worship me. 
If you'll stop serving God and you start serving me. Trick number five, the devil offers shortcuts that come with fine print. The devil offers shortcuts that come with fine print. You ever fallen for something because you didn't read the fine print? That is not a fun feeling. That happened to me once and I vowed that's never going to happen to me again. I mean, just pit in my stomach. I just felt like, man, I got had. You know, this is just bad. Uh, I was sitting there, this is a while ago, and I was watching, uh, you know, we got commercials rolling all the time, and there was this thing that said, you know, if you, if you get in here, you can have your free credit report, right? I feel dumb just even talking about this. So you get, you get your free credit report, and I thought, man, there's people out there who know stuff about me that I don't know. Like, I don't like them having information about me. I want to know what it is. Like, I want to, I, I can't quite sleep right at night knowing that people know stuff about me that I don't know about me. And so I thought, all right, it says it's free, so I'm going to sign up. So I go online, I sign up, I put my credit card information in. Side note, if you put your credit card information in, you will be charged at some point, all right? Just, just a little, little tip there, even if it says free. So learned a lesson there. And, uh, you know, I got my score. Great. Now I can sleep well at night. Didn't really learn too much. But uh, I got that. It was great. And then about a month later, I get the credit card bill in the mail. And why is there a charge for $15? The free credit report score.com or whatever. It's just like, what's going on? So I call them up right away. And I'm just like, you know, what happened? And I'm calling them. And, and, uh, and, and I tell them the situation. They probably have this conversation like a thousand times a day. I mean, you know, you know they do. And they're like, well, see, the thing is when you sign up, you got a free report, but then I want you to look at the fine print in the commercial, right? Get real close, you know, bust out the magnifying glass. It says it signs you up for another program, and you're going to get charged $15 every month unless you cancel. And it's been 30 days, and you didn't cancel, sir, so I'm sorry. We can't reverse that charge. And man, I felt so bad. I fell for the fine print, right? It wasn't good, and I was like, ah, I'm never going to do that again. But that's what the devil tries to do to us. He tries to get you to fall for the fine print. He offers you everything if you do A, B, C, and D, right? And when we fall for the fine print, when we fall for that sin, that temptation that he leads, the devil's going to take you farther than you ever thought you were going to go. And he's going to, it's going to cost you more than you ever thought it was going to cost you. You've got to watch out for that fine print. And you're going to end up feeling lousy because you fell for the devil's tricks. So he literally, think about this, he literally offered Jesus the whole world in exchange for his soul. Like he literally said that. Later Jesus is like, hey, the devil tried to give me this deal. Don't take it. Don't forfeit your soul for the whole world. So many have made this deal with the devil, thinking that they can have everything they want, but in the end it destroys them. Don't take the shortcut. Church, there's no shortcuts to heaven. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. So Jesus' response. At this time, as you probably figured out, Jesus goes right back to the Bible. In fact, he sticks with Deuteronomy again, uh, chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, he says this, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So again, Jesus overcame this trick by using Scripture, by using the Word of God and getting right to the heart of the matter. I worship the one and only true God. I serve him only. And then he tells him, get away from me. Get away. Because he was trying to stop Jesus' purpose. He was trying to offer him a shortcut to get out of the cross. But that was not God's will. 
That was not Jesus' purpose. That wasn't God's plan. And he knew that it would end in destruction. He knew it would end and he wouldn't be able to save his people. That's not what he came here to do. Satan tried to offer him a shortcut to get away from the cross. But Jesus knew the cross was too important. And he said, get away from me, Satan. Now, I've always wondered why, maybe some of you have read your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples, all right, guys, here's the plan. You may not like it, but here's the plan. I'm going to die soon. And, and I'm going to be dead for three days, but then I'm going to rise again. And the disciples didn't like that too much. He was their leader. They didn't want him to die. And so Peter stood up and he was just like, he started rebuking Jesus like, Jesus, you don't claim it. You don't put that over. You're not going to die, right? You're our king. Like, you're the Messiah. Like, we're getting this thing figured out. And, and Jesus, all of a sudden, you know, you know, you think Jesus would be like, that's nice, Peter, but this is what's going to happen. You know, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Appreciate it. But instead, Jesus comes at him. He says, he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get out of the way. And it's just like, whoa, Jesus, calm down. Like, he was just trying to be a nice guy. He's trying to be on the team. But, but again, Peter was trying to offer Jesus a shortcut. You don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to go to the cross. Just like Satan was trying to say, you don't need to go to the cross. Look, I've got the whole world for you right here. But Jesus sees through and he says, no, this is Satan. This is the devil trying to lie to me, trying to cut down my purpose, trying to cut down on my calling. And he says, get out of my way. Get out of my way. Church, if anything cuts in on you on that purpose, on that calling that God has in your life, if anything uh, tries to give you a shortcut to eternal life, you just need to say, get out of my way, Satan. Get behind me because this is not God's plan for my life. This does not line up with his word. God has a perfect plan for his life and in it there's no, short, there's no shortcuts. It may feel rocky, it may feel bumpy at some times, but it's a perfect plan. And God's bringing you through it. Don't allow anything to come in the way of what God has called you to do. Even if it's a good thing. Chase what is best. Chase after God's will. Did you notice in there, when Jesus said, away from me, Satan, that the devil listened? Right? Like, he, he kept attacking, kept attacking, but as soon as Jesus said, away from me, Satan, the devil ran. That's because Satan has no power over Jesus. But Jesus has power over the devil. And when Jesus speaks and says, get away from me, the devil has to listen. The devil has to flee. And church, did you know you have that same power living inside of you? You've got that same power. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. It doesn't say and he'll maybe flee from you or he might or eventually he'll go. It says he will flee from you. Because we have that power in the name of Jesus. And when we come against the devil in the name of Jesus, he can't touch us. He can't come against us. Some of you, when the devil attacks in the weak moments, you just need to tell the devil, get away from me, Satan. Right? Stop tempting me. And he's going to have to flee because you're living for Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And here's another secret the devil doesn't want you to know this morning, all right? This, this is a good one. The devil can't destroy you. He's got no authority to destroy you. He can tempt you. He can't destroy you. The only person who can destroy you is you. You have to give in to the temptation. The devil, again, he can't touch you. He can tempt you. But he can't destroy you. Only we can do that. We have to help him succeed in his plan. See, Jesus went through every temptation that you or I could face, and yet he overcame. We don't have to give in. There's a way out. We can run to Jesus. Now, you may not have the perfect scripture verse like Jesus did, right? 
It was like Jesus, I mean, Jesus is the Word of God. So he, he knows that thing front and back. He's the living embodiment of the Word of God. But you might be thinking like, what if I don't have that perfect verse? Then run to Jesus. Just, just go grab your Bible and start reading. I promise you God will give you something that you need in that moment. Go spend some time in prayer and go to the Father. Go, go crank up that worship music and just begin to sing his praises and begin to tell him how thankful you are that he's given you grace in your life. And watch the devil run. Watch the devil run. We need to run to Jesus. Again, I'm, I'm so thankful that Jesus was tempted in his weakest, most alone moment here on this earth because it shows us how to overcome the devil using God's word. He shows us this roadmap. He shows us exactly what we need to do. Jesus was and is perfect. He is selfless. He's caring for others and he's willing to give it all for us. And I find it interesting. Just think about this. Can we just, can we just lift Jesus up here a little bit? Let me, let me just tell you, I want you to think about it. This is the king we serve, all right? For those of you who, who maybe you don't follow Jesus yet and, and you're still checking things out, I want you to, I want you to think about this is, this is the God we serve. See, Jesus was hungry in this passage. Verse 2, it says he was hungry. But yet, if you read through the book of Matthew, if you read through the gospel when he was on this earth, he feeds others. Even though he's hungry, he takes care of others' hunger. Jesus grew tired. He had, he had to sleep, right? He was a human like us. But yet he offers rest. Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's our king. But yet, while he was on this earth, he paid taxes, he paid tribute, he, he honored others. Jesus is called the devil, but yet he casts out demons. Jesus dies the death of a sinner. He dies on a cross. But yet he comes to save his people from their sins. That's our God. That's our God. Jesus, he sold for 30 pieces of silver so that they can put him on a cross. But yet Jesus dies as a ransom for our lives, right? He becomes the payment. Uh, Jesus, in this passage, he refuses to turn stones into bread for himself. But yet for us, he says, this is my body. And, he, and his body becomes bread for the people. And we still remember that through communion, or through communion. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? And so Jesus, he refuses to do it for himself. But for us, he, he gives willingly. He gives willingly. That's, that's our king. That's our God. That's our savior we serve. Again, Jesus is the good shepherd we see in John chapter 10. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He gives it all. He gives it all. That's our Savior. He humbles himself. Like, that doesn't make sense. He's got all the power in the world, but yet he comes in humility. So church this morning, make, make no mistake, eternity's on the line. And the devil wants to destroy you. He wants you to get so focused on what's close. He wants to get you so focused on the temporary. He wants to get you so focused on today that you forget about the forever that's behind today. Eternity's at stake. And I hope my prayer for you through the through this series is that you recognize some of the tricks that the devil likes to play. He likes to play a lot of them. But yet we can overcome those tricks through God's word. Through standing on the truth, we can overcome the lies. Because he's always going to lie, he's always going to twist, he's always going to destroy to distort. But in God's word there is truth. In God's word there is power, and we can rely on that. And, and I hope you understand that 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 Jesus, He wins every time. He wins every time, and we can rely on him. We can rely on him. So, Lana, would you come? And uh, 
we're just going to close out the service. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus and you'd like to this morning, I'd like to, I'd like to give you that opportunity. It, it doesn't take much. The Bible says that uh, if we confess our sins, that he will forgive us. It says that if we believe that he died and rose again and we accept him as our Savior, that, that we will be saved. Not maybe saved, not, not saved eventually, but saved today. And we can know for sure. We can have uh, insurance, basically. We can have assurance that we're going to go to heaven when we die. That we can spend eternity with Jesus. So right now, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. And with no one looking around, if that's you this morning, and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand and catch my eye? I'd love to pray with you this morning. This is such a crucial moment in your life today. So if there's anyone in this room, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Anybody on the main floor? Anyone in the balcony? And this is an opportunity we're going to give every week. Because we know Jesus is in the business of restoring lives. Jesus is in the business of giving away eternal life. And it's too important not to stop and take the time to go after Jesus. So Jesus, we come to you this morning. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would move powerfully in our lives. God, we've messed things up. We've sinned. We've given in to the tricks that the devil played on us. But God, you're in the business of restoring lives. And I pray that you would do it again this morning. God, to anyone in this building this morning or listening online, and, and God, they, they feel that tug on their heart. God, I pray that they would just begin to pray, begin to confess you as their Savior, believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for the gift that you've given us. God, we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it, but God, you give it freely. Lord, we thank you so much. We give you praise and honor this morning. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Again, thank you for being here this morning, church. Uh, these altars are open, and I encourage you, uh, spend some time in prayer. If God's tugging on your heart this morning, spend some time in prayer. And, and I encourage you this week, go and live for eternity. When you leave these doors, don't, don't just go right into the to-do mode, right into the, I got to get all this stuff done. But leave this place with an eternal perspective of heaven and hell are on the line. And all that matters is Jesus. And after that, well, it'll take care of itself, right? God, God will provide, but I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to seek first Jesus. Let's get our priorities straight this morning. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that it helps us to overcome. Thank you that, that Satan has no authority in our lives. God, you've given us authority. And when we say, devil, get out of here, he has to flee. So God, I pray that, that we wouldn't give up, we wouldn't give in, but God, we'd stand up, that we would be bold because you've given us the authority to be bold. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And so God, may we rely on the Holy Spirit just like you did in every area of our lives. May we rely on the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do it alone. God, we don't have to face Satan alone. God, you are right by our side. You're in this battle with us. So God, may we rely on you. May we lean into you. May we trust you in all that we do. God, be with us this week. Help us to be the church outside these walls. 
God, help us to, again, continue the vision to love you, to love people, and share Christ. That's what we're all about. That's our heartbeat here. So, God, may we do that when we're in our homes, when we're at work. God, when we're at the store. God, may we love you with all of our heart. May we love the people around us. May we take time for people. And may we share you in our actions and in our words. God, be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Again, these altars are open. Uh, Have an incredible week.